Stone and Tile Show is proud to be sponsored by the National Tile Contractors Association. The NTCA is a leading trade association in the tile and stone industry dedicated to professional installation of ceramic tile and natural stone. With more than 1,500 members representing thousands of installers, NTCA works hard to be a strong voice for proper installation and qualified labor. The association invests in a professional staff to provide technical support and assistance and offers free educational seminars and regional training opportunities around the country. To learn more about what the NTCA can offer for you or your business, go to the website www.tile-assn.com. That's www.tile-assn.com. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to the Stone and Tile Show. I am your host, Fred Houston, and Probably uh, most of you around the world know by now that uh, Florida has been hit by a major hurricane, uh, possibly almost a Category 5 hurricane. And if you've been watching the news lately, it's it's devastating, especially around Fort Myers Beach, Naples, Sanibel Island, Pine Island, and that, that entire uh, southwest coast. And it got me thinking, and as a matter of fact, I was down there uh, two days before the hurricane hit looking at some um, inspections on some houses down there. And if you've never been to that area, all you have to do is take a drive along, you know, the ocean side there, and you're going to see houses that were just, you know, magnificent. So I don't know what the condition of those houses are right now. The news hasn't seemed to cover uh, those large, expensive homes, so to speak. But uh, I got a feeling that there's going to be a lot of, uh, if not necessarily water, or, I mean, sorry, wind damage, but more water damage. And it got me thinking uh, about a lot of the inspections I do when it comes to flooding. And what I did while I was sitting here in, during the hurricane, by the way, obviously I'm okay. Um, my property had just a couple of limbs come down on a couple of trees, but that was it. Uh, the wind was pretty bad here. Of course, it was a lot of water, but uh, we didn't have any flooding at my house. So I, I'm really fortunate there. But anyway... I ended up writing a couple of articles, and these articles are available to you if you'd like to send me an email at fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com, and I'd be more than happy to send them to you. They're also being published. Uh, I have one that is being that just got published, actually, in Restoration and Remediation Magazine. Uh, we're going to have one published again in Queen Facts Magazine. Uh, of course, the Slippery Rock Gazette covers all my uh, uh, articles and, you know, of course, the Stone Detective, et cetera. As a matter of fact, this month in October, uh, there's an interesting article there on uh, moisture in a shower. It has nothing to do with a hurricane, but it, it's an interesting article. We happen to make the cover of the Slippery Rock Gazette from one of these past shows here uh, with a uh, an engineer friend of mine. So uh, you might want to check that out uh, on the podcast here. Now, I'm also recording this podcast. But anyway, back to these two articles. I have them here, and that's what I'm going to use here. Um, <coughs> excuse me for my notes today and one of them is going to cover how to go about cleaning up your flooring and when I'm talking of flooring we're not going to get into carpeting but this will apply to your wood floors your tile floors your stone floors <coughs> and even your concrete floors anything that's that's hard surface so we'll go over that first and then I'm going to talk about what can happen after the flood, after you've all cleaned up? And this is where I get into a lot of things that can happen due to flooding that 
you don't know right away. Even after you go in there, everything's cleaned up. You may have a, you know, a mold remediation company come in. You may have, you know, a, a disaster restoration company come in, get rid of all the water, dry everything up. And then you have a restoration guy come in there and polish all that marble and granite up and everything. And you think everything is honky-dory, and it's not. Two to three months down the road, you start ending up with problems. So let's get into that, and let's discuss some of the things uh, that, are going to be an issue or could potentially be an issue, not necessarily going to be an issue. But the first thing I want to discuss, and these are for uh, you people out there that have been affected by the flood, uh, your insurance uh, uh, adjusters out there. uh, This is some information that you really, really need to know. And this particular uh, article I've titled, My Stone and Tile Floor Has Flooded, Now What? Well, First of all, in a hurricane, we're probably dealing mostly, especially in that area down there in southwest Florida, with salt water. But if you're talking about flooding in other parts of the country where you have no salt water, you're talking about fresh water. And this makes a big difference when it comes to what can happen later on. So one of the first things you need to do is identify the water source. Is it salt water? Is it fresh water? Is it fresh water? from a lake, uh, a nearby river, or is it water that has come from somewhere where sewage is involved? Because if you end up with sewage, you're going to end up with a whole different issue with organic matter, and we'll get into that here uh, in a minute. The second thing you want to look at, in addition to the water source, is going to be the dwell time. How long has the water sat there? The longer the water sits there and the deeper the water is, the more it's going to penetrate and fester, if you will, or settle into the not only the stone tile or if it's ceramic, there's porcelain tile between the grout lines, and it's going to get into the slab. If it's a concrete slab, it's going to get into the wood floor structure. And not only do you have to worry about the tile, the wood, and everything else, uh, now you're going to have to worry about the substructure. Is is the underlayment uh, effective? Is the, the uh, concrete effective? So that's some of the things you, you need to look at. And then thirdly, you want to look at the temperature. Now, in Florida, we obviously have some nice warm temperatures here, but temperature can play a huge, a huge uh, factor when it comes to uh, flooding, not only from the water, but also from the humidity that's created. You know, we have this thing called dew point, and I can get into all that, uh, if you will. Uh, but for right now, I would pay attention to what, what the temperature is. So. With that said, let's talk about, you know, the flood occurred, the flood is cleaned up. And what I mean by cleaned up, the water has receded. Uh, You know, you've come in there, you vacuumed all the water up and everything. And now what do you do? Well, in our hurricane situation here, probably you're not too worried about the floor at this point. You're worried more about, you know, do I need to repair the roof? Uh, What do I do about the drywall? But once all that stuff is done, and it's going to take a few months, I don't expect to get calls right away on this from from South Florida, but I would say three to six months to a year down the road, uh, you may be seeing more and more uh, calls coming in to me and other inspectors uh, as far as the floor goes. So, but what do you do for the cleanup? And I, I guess I should say, what should you not do for the cleanup? And we'll go over those things as well. And by the way, If you're listening live and not listening on the podcast, the telephone number is 323-870-3968. Just go ahead and give me a call if you have any questions concerning this. So preparing for the cleanup, what's the first thing you need to do? The very, very first thing you need to do is to make sure it's safe. And what I mean by safe, turn off the power. 
to that to that room and preferably to the house. Um, you know, water and electricity, as you know, do not mix, and you cannot believe how many fatalities occur after a flood, not due to the flood, but due to things like electricity, gas leaks, you know, things things of that nature. And uh, you'll, you'll probably see that in Southwest Florida. As a matter of fact, I was listening to the news uh, before this podcast here, and uh, the death toll in South Florida has risen. And uh, it may be from those things as well, the aftermath of the of the hurricane and the flood. So, it you know, again, I'm no meteorologist, but, you know, what I've seen in Florida living here for 40-some-odd years, it's usually not the wind that's the killer. It's the water. Or, or something that the water has caused, in this case, being the electricity. The electricity. So you want to make sure the power is turned off, number one. The next thing you want to do is remove any debris, you know, mud, muck, uh, furniture that's soaked, you know, carpeting that's soaked. And by the way, if you're dealing with a wood floor, and I'm not a wood floor expert, I'm a stone and tile expert, uh, chances are the wood floor is probably ruined. Um, if we have any wood guys out there that that uh, disagree with that or think that it can be saved, you know, please call in and uh, and let me know. Because again, I don't claim to be a wood expert other than I know wood warps underwater, and that probably holds true for some of the laminate materials that are out there, um, and you know, even some of the vinyl materials. Uh, I wouldn't be too much worried about the vinyl, although what's under the vinyl is usually going to be a wood substrate. Uh, if it's not a concrete substrate, and that could be the issue, and in that case, you're probably going to have to tear up the vinyl as well. So remove the debris. Uh, next thing you want to do is make sure all the water is gone. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying just visible water. I mean water within the material and within the concrete slab and the wood or whatever. And for that, you're going to need to pick up a moisture meter. Now, if you're a homeowner listening, uh, if you're even if you're a contractor listening, you don't have to go out and buy a really expensive moisture meter like the one I use. I use a Trimex. It's a $2,000 kit that I use. Um, yeah, it would be nice if you could afford and buy one of those. Um, that's really going to give you some information that we won't go into right now. But if you just go out to Lowe's, Home Depot, wherever, hard, your local hardware store, even Amazon, and just pick up an inexpensive moisture meter, it's going to give you an indication. Now, I don't want anybody calling me and arguing, you know, the cheap meters versus the expensive meters. We can get into that at a later date. But, you know, especially if you're a homeowner for under 100 bucks, you can buy one of these cheap meters. Uh, it'll give you an indication of what the moisture is like in that particular uh, material. And that's real important. Why is that important? You're saying, Fred, well, it's below the surface because you can have all things that, that, that can happen. You can have mold growing, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, you can have, as I mentioned before, wood that's saturated. Your concrete can become saturated. Uh, if the concrete slab, for example, doesn't have the proper vapor barrier or the vapor barrier was compromised in some way, uh, you can have salts coming up through the installation, and that usually doesn't show up until the floor is completely dry or near being dried. And how long could that take? That could take months. I've had some situations where it could even go into years, uh, depending on how long that water sat there, how high the water was, obviously, and how far it penetrated in, into the substrate. So you need to be able to check. If in doubt, call in an expert, call in an inspector. And this is true out there for any insurance agents, uh, uh, agents and um, um, what am I trying to uh, look for? Um, adjusters. 
uh, because it's real important because a customer can file a claim and later on down the road after the claim has been paid, they start having all these issues. But we've, we've discussed on the show before, you know, marble can start spalling, granite can start spalling, uh, white marble can start to oxidize and turn yellow to brown to red, all due to that initial flood that you may not see right away and you may not see symptoms to until that particular floor starts to dry out. Okay, so removing the water. And how you do that, do humidifiers, turning the air conditioning on if the power's back on, uh, you know, bringing in uh, fans, anything to get that water to evaporate out of that, that particular installation. Okay, now you want, we want to talk about sanitizing the floor. This is especially true if you've had sewage on that floor. Uh, it's also true with salt water because salt water has a lot of organics in it. You know, if you saw the news, you could, you, you've seen fish in people's driveways on people's sidewalks. As a matter of fact, in uh, one neighborhood in Fort Myers, there was a shark swimming down the street with all the floodwaters. So I'm sure many of you have seen that on the national news. So you want to sanitize that floor. Now, the formula I'm going to give you for sanitizing this floor, you're going to say, wait a minute, Fred, I thought we weren't supposed to use bleach on stone, and that's true. But for this purpose, we're... We're, we're trying to get that floor sanitized. So what's the formula? Basically what I do is I mix about a quarter cup of mild dish soap, you know, something like Dawn or something like that, three cups of, so three cups of warm water. Use warm water because that helps it dilute it uh, much quicker. And uh, about a quarter cup of dish soap. I'm sorry. Let me, let me, let me back up. I'm, I'm trying to read my notes here, and I'm reading ahead of myself. You want a quarter cup of mild detergent and three cups of warm water for the marble and limestone flooring. That's just to get it clean. After that, you want to mix your sanitizer, which is a quarter cup of dish soap, two cups of vinegar, two cups of warm water, and a half a cup of lemon juice. Or you can use bleach. Okay, and what if you're going to use bleach, I would take about a five-gallon bucket of water and about a cup of bleach. You don't need a lot of bleach, but about a cup of bleach. Spread that over the entire floor. And this is very important when it comes to sanitizing the floor. Do not rinse the floor. Let that bleach soak in and let it attack the organic matter, especially in stone. Uh, if it's tile, you know, most tile is going to be non-absorbent, but you have the grout, which is an issue. So let it dry. After it's dry... Then come back with your mild dish soap and your water and clean off the excess. Now, will you end up with issues with alkaline etching and, and, and issues with the bleach? Yes, but you'll have a clean, sanitized floor. What happens with the bleach, if it affects the stone at all, can be remedied, and you restoration contractors know how to do that uh, by honing and polishing, et cetera. So very, very important. Now, if you have a sensitivity to bleach, and you don't like to use bleach, what you can use in place of bleach is hydrogen peroxide. And again, not the type of hydrogen peroxide you buy at the drugstore. You want to use a really strong solution of hydrogen peroxide. And what I like to use is a 20-volume, what they call a 20-volume hydrogen peroxide. I can get that at any beauty supply store. It's what women use to bleach their hair. It's called Developer, Hair Developer. And it comes in a 10, a 20, and a 40-volume. Uh, I like the 20-volume. It comes in a cream and a clear. I particularly like the clear for this purpose here. And uh, use that instead of instead of the, of the bleach. And again, at the same ratio, about a cup of that hydrogen peroxide, that strong 20-volume hydrogen peroxide, 
two five gallons of, uh, of of warm water. Okay, after that, you want to dry the floor again. Again, bring your dehumidifiers in. And this is really, really important. And this is where I see mistakes made all the time. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen this. And it's the worst thing in the world to do. And that is do not seal the floor. I don't care if it's an impregnator. I don't care if it's a coating. Any kind of sealer, do not seal the floor. Because what can happen if you seal that floor and there's any kind of moisture, any kind of salts left, in the floor itself, it's going to come to the surface or attempt to come to the surface. And instead of coming out in, a, in the form of what we call efflorescence, which we'll go over in a minute, uh, it's going to become trapped. The salts will develop below that sealer. And then what can happen is the stone will start swallowing and pitting. So very, very, very important uh, not to seal it. And I repeat, do not seal the stone tile at all. Okay. Um, if you want to call in, again, 323-870-3968. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, you can send me an email at fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. Okay. Let's take a look at what can happen after a flood. And what I mean after a flood, not necessarily directly uh, after the flood, but more so a week down the road. Uh, a couple of weeks down the road, a month down the road, or even up to a year down the road. And I've actually got an article that I've written on that as well, that if you want to send me an email, I'll be glad to send it to you. Uh, the first thing I mentioned a minute ago was a condition known as efflorescence. For those of you listening that might not know what efflorescence is, that's basically what happens is the water gets down within the setting bed of the material, um, whether it's stone or tile, can get into a concrete slab and it will dissolve the natural salts that occur in those materials. And those salts will come to the surface. And if the stone is breathable, in other words, you didn't seal it, uh, it'll form on the surface of the stone and it'll be a white powder. And what a lot of people try to do when they see that is first thing to do is they run for the mop and bucket and they put more water on there. And that's the worst thing you can do. If it's already sanitized and the floor is already cleaned uh, and you see efflorescence, you want to buff it off dry. Just take a white pad, any kind of pad, I don't care, lamb's oil applicator, and just buff it off dry until it comes to a point in time where the salts are completely gone. And I've had situations where uh, the salts have taken months and months and months to disappear. So don't seal it, don't polish it, don't do anything to it other than to buff it off dry. Now, if for some reason the stone starts to pit and starts to spall, that condition we call subfluorescence, and that's where the salts don't quite come to the surface, but they actually form below the surface. They get into the pores of the stone, and they actually start growing, and they expand, and boom, you end up with the condition uh, we know as spalling. All right, before we get into some of the other things that can occur, let me take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll continue on with some of the things that can go wrong uh, after a flood. Thank you, Tough Skin, one of our gold sponsors. Marble etches and stains, Tough Skin guarantees it will not. Tough Skin provides a unique product and installation service anywhere in the USA with a proprietary stone laminate products. They protect marble countertops with an acid, oil, and waterproof guarantee. That's right, it's now possible to install marble, onyx, and travertine countertops without the worry of etching and staining from common household items like wine, lemon, coffee, or other acidic foods. People have been trying to figure this out for thousands of years, and Tough Skin Surface Protection has done it. 
available in gloss and satin to match the countertop finish. Visit them online at toughskinprotection.com. That's T-U-F-F skinprotection.com to learn more. All righty, folks, and we're back, and we're talking about some of the things that can happen to your stone and tile floor uh, after a flood. And as I had mentioned before the break, uh, sometimes months after the after the uh, flood, uh, we talked about efflorescence. We talked about subfluorescence. The next thing I want to talk about is discoloration. And this is especially true on white marbles, uh, but it can also occur in almost any stone. And you have to remember, when we're dealing with stone, you have a natural mineral. You have either calcium or quartz or whatever mineral you have in there, but you can also have tiny amounts of iron. And what happens when iron is exposed to a lot of water over a long period of time, it starts to rust. And this is where you get the discoloration that can occur uh, in your in your white marbles, the light-colored stones especially, because the rust shows up more readily in those particular stones. So... Um, I'm not going to really discuss how to remove that because in some cases you can't remove it. But there are tests that an inspector like myself and others can do to determine whether that discoloration is in fact iron or not. Because there are other things that can cause discoloration. Uh, You can have just the water itself uh, can have a contaminant in it that that may uh, cause a discoloration. Uh, Just plain water will darken some materials and appear like a stain. It's really not a stain per se, but just the water itself. So there are are other factors that that, uh, that can occur. So if you start seeing discoloration, uh, you know, if you're a homeowner, if you're uh, an insurance adjuster, you know, call an inspector, you know, give an inspector a call and find out, uh, you know, what's going on with this particular floor because it could be a situation where it could be remedied or it could be a situation where it can't be remedied and you're looking at uh, replacement at that cost, but only an inspector uh, can tell you uh, whether that's going to be an issue or not. Another thing that can happen, and this can happen on, on wood, but we're mainly talking about stone and tile here, is you can get uh, the tile starting to warp. And uh, warping can occur within the material itself. Uh, you can also have issues where if you have the improper expansion joints or perimeter joints in the, in a particular floor and it hasn't caused a problem yet, but the adjacent, you know, two by fours, the adjacent materials start contracting and expanding, you can also get some issues with the, with the stone actually appearing to warp. We get a condition known as tenting where the tiles will literally just pop up into a form of a tent. And that occurs from a lack of uh, allowing the the actual stone and tile to expand and contract properly. So that can also uh, be a concern. Um, the The next topic I see all the time, I can't tell you how many times insurance companies, insurance adjusters have called me to look at a particular floor because it is flooded. And the customer says, oh, I've got hollow tiles now. My tiles are hollow due to the flood. Well, I'm going to clear that up right now. It can't happen. Okay. Um, you have to remember your setting material, your, your thin set, your mud, uh, whatever you're using is Portland-based. Okay. Underwater, it will harden up. It'll cure even faster. So those hollow tiles, they were there to begin with. They, they didn't, the flood did not cause them. The only time a flood may cause hollow tiles is if, it's a new installation, and the setting bed hasn't cured yet, and the flood has washed it away. But, you know, after a, a couple of days, once that concrete, once that setting material starts hardening up, 
uh, the water is going to actually help it. So I can't tell you how many times I've, I've gotten those particular issues where, you know, oh, I got a hollow floor now. It needs to be replaced because the flood ruined it. Well, it didn't. And uh, you, I want you insurance adjusters out there to particularly pay attention to that because uh, you will get a lot of people calling you looking for an excuse to replace their floors. Now, the floor still may need to be replaced, you know, based on everything else that I had just mentioned. Uh, but that's something, again, that an inspector needs to needs to look at. Uh, you can also get mineral crust or what they, uh, the old timers called lime putty, which was your, where you have lime and minerals actually coming out in the form of, you know, big growth of, of minerals. You'll get this white. Uh, it can start out white. It can be yellow, brown. It can be any color for that matter, but it gets really hard calcium deposit, we call them, uh, that, that can occur and grow. And we see this a lot in outdoor slate steps, for example, but it can occur on any installation. If those minerals dissolve enough, they start reforming again uh, between the grout joints and sometimes on the surface of cracks, et cetera, uh, on stone or whatever. So, so that's my quick lecture on, you know, how to clean up after a hurricane or after any kind of flood for that matter, and some of the things that can happen. And again, I emphasize, uh, I can't emphasize enough that, you know, you need to call an inspector in, a flooring professional that knows what they're talking about to evaluate that floor, test that floor, and to give you a report for either your insurance company or or whomever uh, in order to determine, you know, can this floor be repaired or does it need to be replaced? And, you know, I wish I could say, you know, 90% of the time it needs to be replaced, 30% of the time it, it can be repaired. It, 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 there's so many factors involved, some of those factors uh, that I just particularly mentioned. All right, another quick break, and we'll come back right after this uh, for final thoughts. Are you looking for quality greenstone working products? ESP sells many lines of fine quality, environmentally safe products. Stone Pro, NB Stone Care, Bondstone and Touchstone Adhesives, more Stone Care products, Easy Care products, and Better Bio, which is over 80% bio-based and approved by the USDA. For more info, visit ESPSales.net. That's ESPSales.net. Alrighty, folks, we're back. And uh, again, uh, I can't emphasize enough how important this is when it comes to saving your floor. And, and again, I know uh, some of you listening aren't worried about your floor at this particular point. It's only been a few days after the, after the hurricane. You're worried more about, you know, first, did my house survive? And uh, if it did, uh, you know, what structurally has gone, gone wrong with it? Uh, does drywall need to be replaced? Uh, you know, how about the roof? Does that need to be fixed or, or whatever? If you've lost your house entirely, uh, I really feel for you. Uh, there are a lot of good programs out there from the federal government as well as your local governments. And uh, here in Florida, we, we have some really good programs for that. So I would definitely pay attention to the news. I know Governor DeSantis uh, just did a, uh, a a news press with, uh, with President Biden on uh, some of those agencies. So you may want to take a look at that. Uh, I'm sure it'll be on the news again tonight. So Again, uh, my thoughts and prayers go out to all the people affected uh, by this by this hurricane. And again, you know, keep this podcast. It's it's going to be up on my on my site for a very very long time. So it'll be there with all the other 150 so odd podcasts. So uh, uh, if you need an inspector, give me a call. Uh, 
My email address is fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, which will be up a little bit later today, I'll put my phone number right here at the bottom so you can contact me directly as well as my, well as my website. All righty, folks, uh, on to a couple of uh, housekeeping chores here. Uh, you'll all do me a favor, especially you uh, regular listeners that listen to this podcast. If you actually go to the blogtalkradio.com, uh, website and uh, actually subscribe. There's I, I don't know I can't remember exactly where it is. There's a way to subscribe to this uh, to this podcast uh, on that particular site. Uh, that would be very helpful to me as well as if you're watching this on YouTube. If you click the like button a couple of times and uh, and also subscribe to my channel there, I have a lot of helpful tips in addition uh, to this radio show. Uh, also, my inspection seminar, my inspection and troubleshooting seminar, is coming up in February of next year. Uh, in Las Vegas. If you want to attend that, it's going to be a lot of work out there, guys. So if you're interested in going into the inspection business, now is the time. Uh, with these hurricanes and these floods that are occurring all over the United States now, um, I, I will guarantee you, you're going to see a lot of calls. I'm one person. I can't get to them all. So, uh, you know, it's something you may want to seriously look into. But if you're interested, you can go to my website, stoneforensics.com. That's stoneforensics.com. Click on the training tab. It'll give you all the information. Or, again, you can send me an email, fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com, and I'll be more than happy to uh, answer any questions and uh, get you registered for that class. So until next week, thanks for listening. Uh, Keep setting those tiles, polishing that stone, fabricating those tops, and later, my friends.